Welcome back to the Gathering Podcast. I am your host, Travis Povey, along with co-host William Schneider. Will, say hi. Hi. Once again, just the short answer, hi there. Um, so, welcome to episode two, part two. Um, last podcast, we discussed leadership, and we are going to continue that discussion today. Um, but again, for those who did not hear part one, go ahead and um, skip on over to part one, have a listen, and then you can catch right back with us here for part two. And uh, we'll wait. It is a prerequisite. It is a prerequisite. So go ahead and do that now. Have you done it yet? Okay. Well, that should have been enough time. Um, so defining leadership, uh, we did briefly touch on this, but we're going to go over it again. Leadership defined, uh, in Webster's dictionary as the office or position of a leader, uh, also the capacity to lead and the act or instance of leading. So we, uh, we did discuss that as three separate, um, components of leadership. You don't need to be all three. But any one of those um, is a leader. And I also brought up the Army's definition of leadership, and that is leading is the process of influencing people by providing purpose, which I think is great because um, you really do not have to have any uh, position uh, of authority to offer purpose to someone. So I think that's really good. Um, yeah, I think we touched on uh, a myth and a fact about leadership as well. Uh, we'd like to, yeah. So one big leadership myth is that, you know, m- many folks think that they have to be um, in a leadership position to be a leader. And just as, uh, just as I mentioned with, you know, anybody can provide a purpose, whether it's a negative purpose or a positive purpose. Anyone can provide a purpose and um, basically show leadership through that. So um, so that is a huge leadership myth. You do not need to be in a leadership position uh, to show leadership. Um, what is a fact about leadership, a requirement for leadership, um, in fact, the only requirement to be a leader is simply having the willingness to do what must be done. And that can be easier said than done. That can be uh, much easier said than done. Um, and yeah, in last podcast, we discussed that uh, one of the reasons that many men do not um, take on the positions of leadership or step up to their roles as leaders is for, uh, well, three reasons we discussed were just the fact that they're exhausted at times. Um, there's stress in their life that, uh, gets in the way and just that they are, uh, unqualified or they feel unqualified. And so to that, we did discuss, um, a few folks throughout the Bible who um, were individuals who were nowhere near qualified to be in positions of leadership 
who were those people, Will? Yeah, so we briefly hit on Noah and how he was a drunkard and was a pastor for a long time without any converts, but how he trusted the Lord and was faithful and obedient and built an ark, and God used him to start over. Uh, Then we briefly hit on Abraham. Uh, We talked about how he uh, was an adulterer, had no faith that God was going to fulfill his promise to give him kids, Um, and so he slept with his maidservant, how he gave his wife up to another man um, out of fear for his life, but how God then used him and in Hebrews 10 he or Hebrews 11 he is counted as a man of faith. Then we looked at Moses who is a murderer and we talked about how he uh, had a stutter and which was just not a good public speaker. We also got into how he was not quick to act when God called him, uh, but how God used him as one of the most influential leaders throughout all of Scripture. And then lastly, we touched on Paul and how Paul's job was literally to kill Christians, but how God got a hold of Paul and then used him tremendously, um, wrote, writing more uh, than half of the New Testament. And then, so we, and then we briefly touched on some areas where we may feel we are disqualified because of sins in our lives and how we can get over that and how God qualifies us through his son and uh, the forgiveness of our sins. So essentially in part one, we discussed mostly um, how people who are unqualified to lead, God often calls into leadership and how in a way we're all called into leadership at some capacity, whether it's just um, being a leader by being the the one employee who does their job when they're supposed to without complaining. That is actually a uh, an action of leadership. Um, in part two of episode two, we we're going to focus uh, more on a couple of leaders who were in positions of leadership, failed miserably. Um, but found the ability to still finish strong, and we'll discuss exactly how they did that. The first failing leader we're going to discuss is Peter. Will, what can you tell us about Peter? Well, Peter is somebody that God chose, that Jesus chose while he was on earth, uh, to be one of his disciples that he wanted to teach um, and ultimately in Matthew 16, he wanted to use Peter to build the church. Um, and what we see, though, is Peter is strong. And as he's being taught by Jesus, there's a few areas where he fails miserably. One of them being Jesus literally looking at him and saying, Get behind me, Satan! <laughs> Because Peter was acting on behalf of Satan. Yeah, so he here here's a man who started in a great opportunity, a great position of leadership, being one of the twelve disciples, 
and his actions and behaviors, um, be it pride, be it fear, uh, be it a complete misunderstanding of the purpose of the life of Jesus Christ, um, <laughs> gets uh, gets named Satan <laughs> uh, by Jesus Christ himself. So um, that's uh, that's that's a bad day. Um, he also goes on to chop a man's ear off, um, and lots of, uh, lots of thoughts actually go through my mind as to why. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure that that's a bad thing. I'd love to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's a couple guys that, uh, you know, you would need to box their ears here and there, but, uh, um, yeah, I mean. Totally taking his right to defend himself out of context because at this point, Jesus did not need defended. Um, he was about to step forward into his, his purpose. And, uh, so that totally, totally taking the, the wrong road there and, um, and, instead of understanding and going with the direction that Christ was headed, he, he tried to step in and take it over and, and do his own thing. Um, and then, of course, I think the biggest one that we, we could all agree on is denying Christ himself, denying that he ever knew him, denying that he was a follower of him, and not just one time. Not three times. Twice, but three times. So in Jesus' most vulnerable state, where he needed somebody the most, I can just imagine him torn and bloody and looking out into the crowd, looking for somebody he recognizes, a, a friend, a caring eye, and he makes contact with Peter and... It's the th- at the third time Peter said, I don't know him. I'm not his follower. Ouch. So, so great position of leadership, huge failures, and yet Peter was able to turn that all around and turn people to Christ. And... um in many ways, um, and, and this can be debated, um, theologically, but in many ways was indeed the rock that the church was built on. Yeah. So we see Peter take this life of, of good and then of bad. And how did he go from denying Jesus to then being used epically by him. And so if we look chronologically, so we read about uh, Peter denying Christ. And then right after that, what what scripture tells us is that Jesus is then taken to the cross. Jesus is then crucified. But it doesn't end there. Jesus is then buried and he's raised. And what you see through scripture is during, like, in the Garden of Gethsemane, John runs off naked. 
Peter starts to defend himself and he then denies Jesus and, and you see maybe a disbelief in who they thought this Jesus was or what his purpose was and you see a fear you see maybe a cowardice but what happens when Jesus died and he's buried and when he rose from the dead you see a change in all the apostles all of a sudden these scared cowardice people are being martyred in gruesome ways you know for the beliefs that they were just running from and so what i see peter or how i see peter coming out of that kind of failure is all in Jesus. It's it's in Jesus's resurrection and the power, the forgiveness that Peter receives out of that turns him into a man that God can use. Yeah, absolutely. And the the interesting um, one of the epistles actually um, describes it that Christ was. Actually, actually made eye contact with Peter um, when the rooster crowed, and I, I imagine uh, you know you see that that portion in the movie where you know it's like you know and it automatically like it just zooms into somebody's face. Like I rem- I imagine that impending feeling of guttural just ugh, you know, and and it. I think sometimes it takes that, you know, I think sometimes that is the position of being brought to your knees that a lot of us have, or a lot of us need to have in order to bring us to a position where we actually understand what it is we did. You know, I, I think of it a lot of times when I'm talking to my kids, like, I don't even think they really understand at the core of it, what it is they do you know, they're, they're doing wrong or how they're misbehaving or, or, you know, they might understand they're breaking a a rule, but at the, at the center of their misbehavior, I don't even think they understand it. And then at some point, you know, we're, we're all just the same. I mean, I, so many times with raising my own kids, I, I'm brought to a point where I, I just see, my disobedience to Christ coming out in my children's disobedience to me. And it's crazy how that works, but it, it really does bring you to that point where you're just close up zooming in. Christ is making eye contact with you and you really understand, Oh, this is really who I am. This is really what I am. I am, I am broken and I'm a sinner. And how do you recover from that? And I think, um, I think we'll get a little bit more into that uh, later as we um, discuss the life of our second leader, um, the Shepherd Boy King David. Shepherd Boy King. I like it. So, David. Um, 
little half pint. Uh, yeah, so David is a man of small stature who, at a young age, is used tremendously by God. He, so if we go back to David and Goliath, we see that David um, is not on the front lines fighting the Philistines, but he's being sent there simply to renourish his brothers who are on those front lines. And when he gets there, he hears Goliath taunting God's people, Israel, and no one's doing anything about it. And and David is unwilling to put up with it. So he does something about it. He's a man of action. And he fights Goliath with the Lord on his side and, and wins. And then what a start. Yeah. I mean, way to set the bar high, you know. You're a, a tiny little teenage boy who um you know is being mocked by a nearly 10-foot giant who's you know yeah, can, can you really can you really hit the ball any further out of the park? I know, right? You really he he really set the standard uh early in his um in his life and to that he was not able to live up to it um became king he another good one yeah i mean became king still at a rather young age um and coming from you know not a position of royalty um where where that would be expected but uh then Things started to get bad. Dun, dun, dun. David now falls into a sin that, oh, so many men fall into. We're talking about lust. I mean, I don't know about you. I don't have a problem with lust. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So he falls into lust, um, takes it a step further. He uses his power to basically sexually exploit Bathsheba. Then he sees her bathing on the roof. Isn't there a song about it? <laughs> I heard there was a secret chord. <laughs> and uh, and then because of that sin and trying to cover it up, he then has her husband assassinated. Just to just just to cover up his failure after failure, it's it's like a, a snowball rolling down the hill. You know, it's just getting bigger and bigger. Um, How often do we find ourselves in that situation, though? We make every ah, day. It's okay to say a little white lie, and then your little white lie becomes a little gray lie. I don't know, is that a thing? I then, I don't know. I think it is lie. <laughs> it is now. Like it just get it gets bigger and bigger. And you're doing worse things and worse things. And you can't go back. You can't tell anybody. Or you think you can't. Well, he didn't even just try to cover up his own sins. He also started covering up the sins of his own son. His son rapes his... Excuse me. David's son rapes... David's daughter and he ignores it. He covers it up. And 
<laughs> I mean, this snowball effect that he's had of sin ends up resulting in what did you what did you say? What was the number of people who died? Yeah, so because of David's dysfunctional handing of that family conflict between Amnon and Tamar results in 70,000 deaths. So just a couple. Yeah. So can you, can you imagine today a business leader that makes a bad decision or something resulting in, let alone a death, but 70,000 deaths? So, so we have an adulterer. He assassins somebody. And now he's responsible for the death of 70,000 people, let alone his own son that he had with Bathsheba. And yet, after all of that, we find that he is still considered a man after God's own heart. And I think that can be, you know, that, that, that can be a difficult pill for a lot of people to swallow. Um, but yet, so much of it just comes down to what happened next. Um, he was very much... Um, just consumed by sexual sins and, and what that snowballed into. And yet he still was able to um, find that point of repentance. And again, it, it really, much like Peter, comes down to that that moment that you know where he realizes what it is he's actually doing he realizes the core of it all and how does he realize that so david after this uh, great start in leadership and killing goliath and then becoming king like you said travis has this time where there's one lie after another and people are dying. And so how did he recover out of that? So so at that time, there's a close friend and prophet at the time named Nathan who was not afraid to tell David just how it is. And so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read one little quote from gotquestions.org in reference to that. It says, Nathan the prophet was a blessing to King David. He was a close, trusted friend. He spoke truth to David, even when that truth was difficult to hear. He was loyal in his service to the king and faithful to God and his word. And these are all important traits to possess in any friendship. And if there's anything that we want you to get is, we want you to understand that that's exactly what the gathering is all about. That's why we want this to be a, a group of men who come together and are willing to be vulnerable with another, one another so we can get each other out of sin. Absolutely. And I think one of the biggest things is, you know, the only way that, at least for me, um, and, and I think more so for, for a lot of men, is that the only way that we are going to be vulnerable with other people are 
if we know other people and I mean, and I don't mean know of, but I mean, really know, you know, and how do we really know we, we've got, we've got busy lives. We've got kids. Maybe you don't even have kids, but you've still, you've got, uh, groups that you're doing. There's softball and there's basketball leagues and there's kids sports and there's work and there's overtime and there's, you know, you name it, there's something that's getting in the way of men getting to know each other. And we, we do, we need those Nathans in our lives that are going to say, Hey bud, guess what? That That's not how to do it. That's not the right way. Your, your, your sins are snowballing and you're, you know, maybe not going to get somebody killed, but you're most certainly going to um, ruin the the life you have as, or the leadership you have. Maybe you're going to um, ruin your marriage and you lose out on that opportunity to be a godly leader to your wife. Maybe you... Um, through that end up losing your children and miss out on that opportunity to, you know, be a godly example to your kids. And maybe you have, maybe you're past that point. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not too late to find the core of your sins. And I'm not saying I have, there's, there's plenty of times where people have to point out my faults to me. And, uh, um, thank God I have, uh, friends who who have in the past and I know will in the future um but even still it's it's hard because I don't always open up with with everyone just simply because you know even even some of my best friends um we just don't spend enough time together to to get to that point um so yeah that is what the gathering is about. The gathering, um, again, we've, we've mentioned it on episode number one. The gathering is a breakfast that we do here in Gladwin at the 963 building on North M18, where we have a breakfast once a month just to get together and get to know each other and eat some bacon because that's what we need. And, um, there's so much going on in our lives. It's hard to find time to do that. So it's six 30 in the morning. (laughs) And, um, so we're, we're up before most anybody else and enjoying some, some fellowship and food just for that point, because we need to build these relationships so that we can be, be called out of our selfishness. And that really allows us, as we talked about earlier, to at least uh, the earliness of it allows us to manage our time, maybe our energy well, where we can still have this group of men to sharpen each other and encourage one another and still have time in that Saturday to go back and to put that stuff or that teaching into action and to lead in whatever capacity our lives has for us. Um, and that's really why we, we want to make it as early as possible as well. And, and what we can see from 
a friend like Nathan, who's just willingness to call David out uh, is that it worked. Um, David had to have a close relationship with him, though, in order for that to happen. He had to trust Nathan, first of all, and he had to be able to recognize his own weaknesses. So he had to recognize that what Nathan was saying was true. And how David got through that, and, and we can see in Psalm 51, is that after he he has this relationship with Bathsheba, and then after Nathan confronts him, David's broken. And he pleads with God to wash away his guilt and to cleanse, his, cleanse him from his, his sin. And when we find ourselves in a situation like that where we have failed, we need to do the exact same thing. And and maybe you don't have a Nathan in your life. That it, Maybe you're a Nathan to someone else, though. So I know a lot of times I'm just as afraid to say something to somebody um, as I am to receive a word that I'm doing something wrong. Absolutely, sure. And I guess as men and, and what we see in Scripture, we can't be afraid to do that. We can't be afraid to call out sin when it's sin. If we do, then we're not helping anybody. We're not helping ourselves. We're not helping our brother, our neighbor. Yeah, I mean, if we're if we're alone in it all, um, we're not going to have success. We we have to. We we cannot lead alone. Um, and you know, so just just to kind of tie it all together, we have Peter who starts in a great position of leadership, fails miserably comes to a place of um, epiphany, a realization in the moment of what the core sin, what the core selfishness is in his life. And, um, you know, through that salvation uh, in Christ is able to become who he is in the story that God has for him. Um, and the same thing with David starting so young, setting the bar so high and then just failing again and again and again. And then finally coming to that point where he is, his, his eyes are open to his sins and begging God, pleading God to, uh, resolve it. Um, and, yeah, we, you know, we, we really need to um, set ourselves up for those types of situations. Um, you know, if if you're in a position of leadership now or if you're preparing to step into a position of leadership, you you can't hide your failures. That that's that's step number 1. If you're if you're moving into that, you need to um, you need to bring those failures to the forefront uh, right away, and that way, um, th- I mean, they're going to come up. <laughs> they're they're going to come up. So if you try to hide them, um, if you try to hide them, you're going to end up like David. Ac- absolutely, you're going to start snowballing, snowballing, and you might not end with seventy thousand deaths, but it's going to end tragically. Um, so you need to be upfront. 
with your sins of the past and um, when you fail in leadership. Notice I didn't say if. When you fail in leadership. Um, I haven't yet, Will. Have you? Uh, maybe once. <laughs> yeah. So if I had every finger from every human on the planet, I probably wouldn't be able to count the uh, the number of times that I have failed. But when you fail in leadership, because you will, we all do, um, you really need to have the strength, have the courage to admit it. Admit it to your spouse, admit it to your children, admit it to your friends, to your boss, employees, whoever it is. Um, you need to uh, bring that failure to light. And most of all, just you, you need to bring it before the cross. And, and, yeah, and in doing so... We're constantly evaluating, like, what are we doing? Why are we leading? What's our purpose? And I think, I think for us in this situation, and which should be in any situation that we're in in life, is to bring glory to God. And in order to do that, we need to recognize that we have flaws, that we can't do everything perfectly. It's called humility. Um, and a good leader needs humility. Jesus is a perfect perfect example from that uh, Philippians 2. But we need to be able to minister out of our weakness. And when we're doing that, when we're honest with ourselves and with others and authentic and ministering out of our weakness, that allows the Lord to be glorified in our success. And overall, that is the goal. Um, if we're If we're giving it all to God, then... We take off a huge load of stress um, because then then we don't have we haven't set a bar too high that we are going to fall from. Um, but just to just to recap, so in part one of this episode, we discussed how just because we don't feel qualified um, based on our uh, past. Failures does not mean that God can't use us, and in fact, He is. I don't. I don't. I don't know who you are. Um, I don't know where you are in life, but God is calling you in some capacity to a position of leadership. And your past does not disqualify you from that. And we 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 definitely touched on that. Yeah, we're living proof. Absolutely living proof. And part two, we talked about how even leaders who are doing well are going to have times of failure and that there is recovery. There's, there's always the ability to recover. And again, it comes down to that, that moment, um, identifying that core failure. Um, a lot of times, a lot of times that failure isn't isn't what's on the surface, um, but you need to identify that core failure. You most likely will need to have close friends who can help you identify that failure, and will will do so not not because they're trying to set themselves apart from you, but because they're trying to bring you closer. Uh, closer to Christ. So if we could take a summary of the last two podcasts, uh, 
and define a new a new way of leadership and maybe the how to lead now we could get into all this uh, bullet points of good leaders do this good leaders are this but ultimately what we've seen with all the people we've looked at Noah Abraham Moses Paul David Peter and the many more that we looked at that we didn't include what we see is a willingness to be used by God and then a willingness to confess our sins and accept Christ's forgiveness. And those two things in and of itself is all we need to be qualified as a leader. So to summarize with a quote from a leader at Catalyst Leadership Conference, when you lead authentically with an inner confidence birthed by your creator, when you are willing to be true and vulnerable before God and others, you become a leader without pretense, a leader worth following. And if you need help becoming a leader, uh, if you need friends that, like Nathan the prophet, will help you identify those core issues that are um, separating you from who it is God wants you to be, um, join us at the gathering. The next gathering is going to be November 9th at 6.30 a.m. here at the 963 building in Gladwin, Michigan.